What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. I'm your host of today's show, Steve McCutcheon, along with my two co-hosts, Michael Noen and Vito Anazelli. Please take a moment, hit the bell, subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod. Welcome back, boys. I feel like it's been a while. Has been a little bit of a while. A little bit, just a bit. Just a little bit of a while. A little oxymoron to start your day. <laughs> Top right into news and notes. Let's get right into the show. Uh, first off, we had Champions League this past week. A couple midweek matches. First off of the Premier League. Uh, yesterday, we had Milan nil, Chelsea 2. Uh, basically, a 10-man Milan team. Ironically, Fico Tomori was the one that got the red card for Milan. Uh, what did you guys take of the Chelsea performance, though, afterwards? It was good. Definitely more controlled from the team. Um, going forward, it seemed like there was more attacking options when players were picking up the ball in space uh, compared to how it seemed like when Tuchel was was at the helm. So, so far, so good for Graham Potter. Um, obviously, he seems to be liking his changes to tactical formations, depending on the opponents, pretty much game in, game out. Um, but definitely a better Chelsea side. Um, Reese James is just a man on fire at the moment. So things are things are trending the right way for the Blues. Yeah, they, they looked really good. And, you know, it's to be expected with Potter. When he comes in, he's going to obviously make the tweaks and the changes that he asked to. I was a little upset that the game got ruined with the red card. I thought it was a double double negative with the red card and the penalty. Um, it's either one or the other for me. So it should have just been a yellow card and a pen, but not ruin the game. But yeah, I agree. Crying over that. Fair. Can't really disagree on that one. Uh, the shock of the weekend prior for the Prem, uh, Copenhagen zero or nil, and then City nil. They were down to 10 men that Riyad Mars also missed a penalty earlier before they got the red card. Um, Holland, I don't think actually played in this one either. They kind of, I think they rested him. Yeah. He, I don't think he's going to hurt them by any means, but no. you know, look, he's got to get a break eventually, I guess. Right. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, maybe Copenhagen win the champions league with performance like that, but, um, definitely a rotated city squad, but you still would have expected them to go out and get the job done. The missed penalties can happen. And it's, it's really not a big deal. I mean, city are all like already qualified and all, but sure fire. Uh, group group winners at this point so I, I wouldn't be too concerned with it if anything they're probably looking towards towards the weekend where they have a, a pretty big match coming up yeah there's nothing to read into that about <laughs> yeah Copenhagen's at the bottom of that group at with two points City sitting at top at 10 it's it's all but theirs at this point yeah well on the other side of the matchup that Vito just mentioned and, and uh foreshadowed there uh, Liverpool won seven one over Rangers. Salah a hat trick. Uh, Firmino scored fastest hat trick, I believe, in UCL history. Six yep, minutes, five minutes, five yeah. minutes. Really? Yep. On, yeah, Ever he, he tore it up. <laughs> yeah. Hold well on. I mean, they very much so needed that, given the form Liverpool's been in, um, coming off the back of a loss to Arsenal last week too. But I mean, that was that was vintage Liverpool of the last couple of years. Absolute booty jumping them then the last match uh spurs three frankfurt two uh son had a brace and i think a harry kane penalty if i'm not mistaken was the other one yep son had a brace he had a banger of a second goal for a volley with his left foot near like the top of the 18 um spurs kind of should have put this away a lot earlier it was 3-1 they they yeah, up frankfurt got a red card but they kind of just held on and they didn't take their chances and it made it look a lot closer than it really was. Um, but it was a good win to get control back in the group. So, Especially when you consider, I think Kane missed a penalty towards the end there now. He missed a penalty and he had a chance to 
pretty much get another assist and he just totally whiffed the, whiffed yeah. the cross. So nice. A lot of red cards this past week for the uh, Champions League. Quite a few. Yeah. What was what was fun about today? Uh, today, as in Wednesday, uh, when we're recording, um, there were there was more this more goals scored in the first half of the matches today than the entirety of the matches the day prior. Like today, mm, really? it was just yeah, they were just shipping in goals left and right all day today. So far, yeah. I mean, thinking of the Champions League, not even just the Premier League teams in it, but what have kind of been the biggest surprises for you guys? Where have you seen teams excel or not excel? just overall in the competition now that we're pretty much three quarters of the way through the group standings or the group stage. Uh, for me, it'd be Napoli just because of how many players they lost this past, uh, this past summer. And then they're still tearing it up. I mean, yeah. you lose, was it Mertens, Koulibaly, uh, drawing a blank off the top of my head, but it was like, it was about four or five legit players and they brought in a few guys. I don't think they were relatively, they weren't, household names by means probably up and coming players and just turned out to hit on them pretty much every transfer yeah they they are definitely i mean one of the only four no teams at this point in the tournament um for me i think i think it's clear and obvious that club bruges is just completely outperforming and outplaying granted um atletico madrid in that group are playing well under their caliber but i mean you're talking about a group that's comprised of porto atletico madrid and leverkusen who are but yeah. none of none of which are slouches, and they're going out and they're getting the job done week over week. When most people probably wrote them off to finish in fourth place, um, so de- definitely the surprise team of the tournament. Uh, we'll see how long the momentum lasts, though. Yeah, they. I think this is the first time they, in particular, have ever qualified for the round of sixteen, too, which is pretty amazing. Really? Pretty amazing for them. I I do know it's the first time ever they won three games in a row in the Champions League. So that in and of itself was an accomplishment, but I didn't know this is the first time qualifying. I mean, I, not to, no disrespect to Club Bruges, but I mean, I'm not entirely surprised by that. Yeah, they've looked both of those teams into Napoli too. Uh, I can't. I'm not gonna, even going to try to pronounce his name. It's like Kabarshelia or whatever his, I whatever his name is. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't even giving uh, it. A at, at, at some point in time, if anybody hasn't watched them play, watch him in particular. If you have a Napoli game on, that kid is an absolute animal. He's the real deal. He is the real deal. They're on a pretty big streak in the league, though, too, aren't they? If I'm not mistaken. Top, or, top yeah. of Serie A. Yeah. yeah. They're tearing yeah, it up. And Juve, speaking of Serie A, on a side note, good God, they're doing terribly. I'm surprised they haven't fired Allegri yet. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's gone right for them this year. <laughs> Does Isn't he, like, locked into, like, a big contract, though? Or am I mistaken? It's, like, a huge right? Somehow they afforded that, but who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Had they afford it? It would cost more to fire him. Essentially, was was what I was reading into it. Going to pull Mourinho, yeah, between paying him out and then (laughs) hiring a new coach and like everything. Yeah, it's risky to do sometimes, man. You think you have your guy, like and made like Allegri made sense at the time. Weird. Let's head over to the um, stars and stripes section. This is where we go over the United States men's national team players all across the globe, standout performances. Uh, First off. Kick it with the, kick it off with the main guy Christian Pulisic. Seventy-two minutes played, one goal, eighty-eight percent passing. My opinion, probably could have had one if not another goal. Um, but was constantly in the attack. Looked like he was being really aggressive in the final third. What um, did you guys take on him? Yeah, no, it's exactly what he needed. Um, Potter came out recently. I had some um, interesting interesting comments as well uh, regarding Pulisic in particular, saying you know he didn't want him to get too over eager. Um, to kind of keep his control play, but I I actually disagree. I think Christian's at his best when he's when he's explosive and he's running at defenders and he's a little bit frantic and he has that that chip on his shoulder. And it looked like he had a point to prove in the 72 minutes he was on the field and he did he did very well with um 
with with that goal. Um, overall, good performance and a good starting point for him. It's just always been about consistency with Christian when it comes to his, his club play. So he's got to be able to do that week in, week out. Um, but we'll see if he's going to get the chance to do it week in, week out, or, or Potter will continue with his rotation like we've seen him do recently. I got a lot of shit a couple of weeks ago on Twitter for posting when Potter became the head coach that I could see Pulisic thriving in that almost Trissard type role that Bright he played for Brighton. And I'm not saying that Potter has that idea, but I kind of get the feeling is if he does that with him and that he gives Pulisic the opportunity in the minutes to play, I think you could see a really revived Christian Pulisic in this Chelsea team in particular. He yeah. looked really, really good in the game against Wolves. He had he could have honestly had two goals if it wasn't for an outstanding save by Jose Saw. Honestly, that won't, that was nasty. Yeah, it's just an unbelievable world class save. Um, and, and when he plays like what Vito said with a chip on his shoulder, there are very few players on the wing I would want to play against in particular because he's he is a game changer in that sense. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is you guys saying when he plays at left wing, his natural position, he's pretty good. Yeah, I, I think the system suits okay. suits. Yeah, I think the system suits him very well under Graham Potter. Definitely, mu- definitely much more so than it did at Thomas Tuchel's uh, tactics. Potter yeah. likes yeah, Potter likes players. Position. Yeah, Potter likes his players interchanging back and forth and moving moving pretty fluidly through the attack, um, and that works very well for Pulisic, who's very very lively and likes to drive past players and pick up the, the ball and pocket the space behind the you know behind mm-hmm. the center mids. So I think from that perspective. What Potter had the way Potter likes to play is the perfect system for Pulisic to to bring his his career back on track. Yeah, I'd agree. Hope so. World Cup's only about I don't know a month and a half, right? Holy crap! It's like forty five days. Yeah. (laughs) Get ready, boys. Um, moving on. Josh Sargent, a name that's been pretty familiar, especially uh, since the new season has been starting. 90 minutes played, another goal, two successful dribbles, 80% passing, and five out of 10 ground those one in a loss, though, if I'm not mistaken. I think they lost one, two, or two, one. Um, what did you guys take about his international performance versus how he's performing at the club? I think the international, the team itself, the system that Greg always refers to, the it's system. not – it's not meant for uh, it's not meant for Josh Sargent to be, to be honest. Well, if you're basing it off the last two games they played, it's not meant for anyone in that team. <laughs> <laughs> any striker, any nine yeah. that's in the yeah. world. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I might have I might have went in, but um, oh shit. I mean, I'm happy that obviously he's scoring and he's doing well for Norwich because it's doing a, a obviously a great amount of deal for his confidence and he he is looking like a like the true finisher we all know that he is and the and the playmaker that he can be. Um, I'm just more concerned about him if he comes to Qatar being utilized properly and having the right tools in place for him to thrive. Because um, I don't think he's yeah. the type of striker who he's gonna he can create on his own, but I think he more or less thrives on those like one Serve. twos, the link up play, the service. He's not gonna go out and you beat know someone. just beat somebody one on one like that. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, what do you guys think about his chances for Qatar, given that he's we, – we've been talking for a couple of weeks. Like, every time we do this podcast, we we talk about Josh Sargent because he's just shipping in goals. Uh, for me, I think he's pretty much a lock at this point to be on the plane to Qatar. Do you guys think that Greg's thinking something differently, or, or is he in his plan indefinitely? I'm, I'm 50-50. Um, I, I truthfully I, – I think Greg really made up his mind already between Ferrara, uh, Pepe, 
and then the third one's up for grabs. It's between Sargent, P. Folk. Um, I don't think Haji's going to get it either, even though I think he possibly should. Vasquez is definitely out of the question, even though he's freaking killing it over an MLS. Do you think so it's going to Folk and him? I, yeah. I, th- I think so. And I don't think he'd go with I'm like if, I don't think he goes. P- I don't think he goes P folk. I don't think. So I don't either. either. Just because of who he called in. Yeah, I just don't see it. Which I think is an utter disgrace. But I mean, that's just you know my opinion. I'm not the New States, but national head coach. Um, I'm fifty fifty. Okay. Well, I guess we'll see in like what two three weeks. Yeah, apparently I think they're calling in the roster pretty early. Actually. Yeah, it's. I think it's supposed to be like thirty days prior, so it should be coming up soon. Hopefully, but. <sighs> It's tough. Anyway, moving on. Another striker we just mentioned. Ricardo Pepe, 90 minutes played, two goals, one, one successful dribble, and won six out of 11 aerial duels. The revival is on over in the Netherlands. Seems to be like Greg likes him a lot. Yeah, I, I think. It, I don't think he's locked. If, if anything, he's behind. For me, at least, I think he's behind Sar- Sergeant and Pifo in the pecking order. But yeah, from Greg's perspective, I think he's he's probably probably locked in. Hell yeah, hell no, he he is locked in. Like yeah, at, I'm saying for at, me after, after after the comments he made prior to him going out to the game where he goes, oh, we don't need him to score five or six goals. We just need him to play in the system and be a the striker we need him to be. He's like, system. It's like what? It's like what? What do you need yeah. a striker to score goals? What, what kind of comment is that? <laughs> I mean, I mean, in Greg's defense, Greg's defense. The last winner of the World Cup, France. Drew did not score a goal and played in every game, and he was highlighted in all of them because he actually played an incredible. Right, yeah, but they had Mbappe. Ricardo Pepe is not Oliver Giroud, first of all. Oliver Olivier. <laughs> Olivier, excuse me, Olivier Giroud. It's French, like, bud. You got it right. Yeah. Sorry. Well, when we have the talent of that France team that won the World Cup, we can start making these de- decisions. But in, until then, <laughs> when we can't score a goal in two games against quote unquote lesser opponents, I think we need our striker to score. Let, let, I don't know, man. Japan's pretty sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> they do have a good team. They, yeah. they, dude, they should be. They should be Belgium. They they were honestly they were a quarterfinal team last year. Besides that collapse at uh to Belgium, like they're like we no should we should have frowned upon them as like being like yeah. scrubs. Like yes, do I think we are, we are a better and more talented team? We probably should be, but like I I also thought those World Cup games were a perfect high like high pressure stuff that we need to be able to handle, and we obviously couldn't. So I think those are actually great warm ups. But yes, yeah. regardless, uh, heading over to another number nine, Jesus Ferrar. Uh, 90 minutes played, one assist, 88% passing, four chances created, and two successful dribbles, and a man of the match performance for FC Dallas. Yeah. Um, obviously, the only lock that we are like 100% guaranteed we are definitely seeing probably going to be the starter. Um, if I had to guess for United States men's national team, I feel like he won the job in like the last what eight months. Yeah. Yeah. He, he did. The moment it fell out of Pepe's pocket, it went to Jesus Ferreira. And it hasn't left since. Yeah, as the default. Yeah, he's the default. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess everyone had everyone else had their chances. They didn't. They didn't take them. So yeah, fair enough. Last man up. Um, Brandon Vasquez, eighty-five minutes played, one goal, three assists, and seventy-six percent passing. Hell of a game from the uh, young man. But unfortunately, probably too late for him to make the uh, roster. Do you think um anything weird is going to happen? Because obviously, we can have an extra three guys on the squad. No, I'm not saying him no. specific. No. I'm not saying him specifically, but like anything. Any player out of the ordinary that might we might see? I, I don't think so. I think it's going to be the same guys you normally see and you expect. 
maybe one surprise, maybe, but that's not even going to be too much of a surprise because it was, if anything, it's going to be someone who was on the fringes that we now have space for given the expanded roster. So I don't think you're going to like be blown away to see, a, a, you know, all of a sudden here's John Brooks come trotting in. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's going to be fairly standard. That would be fantastic, the, but that's the, head, the headlines would be ridiculous. Oh my God. Greg's just like, welcome back. We play a high line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then uh, last, uh, not really a stand performance by any means, but just great to see him back. Tim Weah, uh, 17 minutes as a substitute appearance for Leo. Mm-hmm. Um, huge. He's mm-hmm. murdered it in uh, qualifiers for us, playing that right wing position, almost to the point of where we're talking about him starting over Reyna over there. Um, if he's healthy and back in action, I'm probably still going with that. Yeah. yeah. We yeah, haven't been good. No, um, you're good. Go for it. Go for it. I was going to say, we didn't mention them too. And like the, in the list, but I thought just an honorable shout out. I thought Aronson and Adams been playing really well for Leeds as well too. Yeah, they they, they've, been, they've been tearing it up, and then Reyna in particular is so slowly making a comeback with minutes with Dortmund. He had a good cameo yesterday mm-hmm. too for the Dortmund's Champions League game. Yeah. Do you guys think um, <laughs> every manager's job is always in the line when it comes to a big tournament, right? Like when you look at the club club uh, platform, managers are brought in to win the Champions League for these larger clubs. Do you think Greg is going to get judged entirely off this World Cup and he would lose his job over a poor showing? Or do you think that, or do you think the, the Federation would stick with him? Because no. for me, I, I think, oh, okay, so you think no matter what, he's staying? No, I think 100%. Unless I, we go, yeah, unless uh, we go, over unless three. we go 0 and 3. Yeah. And we put up like, or we ship away like 10 goals and like score one. I think his job is pretty secure regardless of what happens in the outcome. Is that what you, is that what you think or what you prefer though? That's what I think. What I prefer, he should 100% be on the hot seat. Yeah. I, I prefer regardless Cup. of the showing Greg is out after this World Cup. I think tactically he's extremely flawed, and, and especially in his substitutions, and he always comes back rectifying it at halftime or trying to. But I don't know. I was just curious if you thought his job would be on the line after this World Cup. I think, I it, would I think it should be. He's head of recruitment. What's up? He's done an excellent, excellent yeah. job of – taking dual nationals like he like that like he like that's him like he is amazing at that like i'm not gonna like shit on him by any means but yes tactically i'm i i don't think he's the best coach um he realized i don't want to make that mls european debate by any means but most of our talented players are over in europe and he relies heavily on some guys that are in mls who just put up some numbers there but would not nearly cut it at the highest level of mm-hmm. football um but most coaches are going to do that because it's U.S. Soccer Federation and they're basically intertwined with MLS. And I get it. So, sucks. But and isn't Greg like the brother, of like the COO? Or something yeah, like that? the CFO or the COO, something, CFO. Like, something yeah. like that. Oh, so nepotism as well. I love it. <laughs> yeah, he's he he ain't getting fired, homie. Yeah, <laughs> it's not it's not happening. <laughs> Let's head back to the Premier League. Uh, we got some matches we got to cover. Let's do our weekly recap. Go through all ten of the matches. Uh, first off, we'll just knock it out. Chelsea three, Wolves nil. Uh, good win for Chelsea. Different names on the score sheet, which is also great to see for them. Most of them up top and in the attack and not defenders, which is unusual. Um, on the Wolves side, obviously some big issues going on. They fired Bruno Lage. Um, we didn't we didn't have a podcast last week, but that was pretty much when we would have covered it. Mm. Wolves have not recruited well at all, and they've also been getting take it, players taken away from them. It's interesting, all of the Jorge Mendez players, all the B Portugal players he's trying to bring over did not work out. <laughs> Who would have thought? Do you, 
do you guys think wolves are in trouble? I was, I was, I, I was very against it, and now I'm, I'm in between. I think they're in trouble of, of finishing lower than where they even anticipated themselves. But like, I don't think they're in trouble of going down. Still, I still think it's a long, I, it's a long season, but anything could happen. Vito, they throughout nine games have put up one three, win. Not, not even just one win, three goals. Three goals. They're not even losing like in shootouts. They're losing. Yeah, that's true. They're losing bad. Um, they they need somebody up top to start scoring goals and putting that away because you could have a great defense, but if you're not even put, giving a threat up front, then I don't know what to say about that. Like that's that is very concerning to be honest. And I mean, yeah, that's got to be some kind of record. Look, you, you look at the teams below them: Nottingham Forest and Leicester. Right now, I mean. I would probably eventually put Leicester above Wolves at a certain point when the season all pans out. And Nottingham Forest, I still think they get relegated, but the way they're playing, I think they have a decent chance of getting maybe up near to above Wolves, honestly. Like in that, like fighting for that 17th spot or that 18th spot. That would be brutal. See, I wouldn't, that would be brutal to see Wolves go down. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I think they're in trouble. I'm with Mike on that one. Um, like I said, they just they have brought anyone in. They got most of their players. I feel like poached, and you literally can't survive like that in the Premier League. We're watching it with Leicester too, who are actually below Wolves, shockingly. For well, now, I think they'll eventually leapfrog them, but for now, yeah. well, big game this weekend well, of Leicester because you know they did really well this weekend. They lost two two one to Bournemouth. Um, they had a big win we didn't cover. It was four 0 over Nottingham Forest. They ran rampant, um, and they returned their losing ways pretty damn quickly. Yeah. It's, I still don't know. Do you guys are you guys shocked? Rogers hasn't been fired yet, to my knowledge, right? No, he has no. not. Okay. No, I, I think he has till Christmas until the World Cup, honestly, to turn things around slightly. You think that long? I, I think it's only a month away, and I think we're over exaggerating the amount of games in between that now and then. I think it's maybe three more Premier League matches in total. I think you give him a chance to, st- to steer the ship right now. And if he can get through that and things start taking uptick and he has a month off to kind of work with his players because Let's face it, a lot of those lesser players are probably not going to the World Cup and he has a lot of time to drill them. Then, yeah, I think if, if you see that uptake, then you give him that that shot. Um, yeah. I think it's going to be determined before that as well because Wolves have to play Leicester still. They do. And that's going to be a huge and very telling match for them. And depending on how that goes, I think you'd see a Brendan Rodgers sacking right after that or maybe a little bit of a ship correction just slightly because I still think, to your point, Steve, they're in a huge amount of trouble for the long haul for the duration of the season. Like, do they, they just shipping goals. Like, and I, it's not even like crap on them because they score. Like, I, I think they have like 14, 15, 16 goals, something in that range. Yeah, they're, they're putting up numbers. It, yeah. They just can't keep the ball the back of the net. Like, it's disgusting. Yeah. I mean, they, they have to play Palace, which, you know, it's a toss up of a game in a sense. Like, there's an opportunity there for them to get points. Yes. They have to play Leeds which is an opportunity to get points. Wolves, which I think is that make-all-be-all make, make all all game. Mm-hmm. Then they play Man City, chalk that up as an L right now, and they have to play Everton before the World Cup. So, and West Ham, excuse me. So there are opportunities in there for Brendan Rodgers and company to get points. It's just coming down to the fact, can that defense, to your point, like hold out because – Selling Fafana, selling a lot of their players, players have gotten injured. I understand stuff hasn't gone their way, but age taking over Vardy. I mean, everything is going in the wrong direction for them right now. Yeah. Just want to like, say, call the Vardy thing and the lesser thing. 
Leicester need to pick up, take that Man City game out of the equation, right? There's five games before the World Cup. So my earlier number of three was definitely not right. I was going to shit on you for that. They need to win minimum two. What's that? I was going to shit on you for that too, but I let that one slip. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why I said that. But I, those five games, I think you need a minimum of two wins at the very, very least. And of those other threes, other three games, one of those needs to be a draw. You cannot walk out of those five games with anything less than seven points at a minimum. I think realistically you're talking about three wins here. Wolves and Everton, they have to be because those are going to be relegation candidates with them. And then Palace and Leeds, to my point, are winnable games. It, this is the time to do it. And after this, it's Brendan in or Brendan out. I, I don't think they beat Everton. To be honest, you don't think so? Everton has, has a great defense. They're really stout. Actually, much better. They've they, they been got a lot better. Yeah, I would. So, I would even consider them a relegation candidate because they're they're close to the top half of the table or not. Top, yeah, top half of the table. Yep. They're yeah. like eleventh or twelfth. Yeah, but ten points is not a, a whole lot. There's not a whole lot of points right now separating the standings. Like they they might be up there, but yeah, I mean, you're talking I, about one win for these other teams and they swap places. Yes, understandable, but I wouldn't put Everton in that relegation bucket. All right. Aren't most of Everton's like losses though to top uh, top teams? Or I could be wrong. They, they they've drawn a shit ton of games. Yeah, they have four draws in their opening nine matches. Um, but yeah. Everton doesn't score a lot. They only have eight goals. They've conceded nine. And Leicester have scored. Leicester, have, uh, being in last place, have scored fifteen goals. The next yeah. highest team is Liverpool in tenth place, and then after that, to get up there, you have to go to sixth place in Newcastle. That's what I'm saying. They're they're so, putting in they're putting in goals. They could just figure it out a little bit defensively. They're going to start climbing pretty quick. So yes, agree. They've yeah, they've let in 24. Yeah. But anyway. kind of crazy though. Nine goals only. A Frankie team playing defense. Like to see it. Yeah. Uh, heading on, we got Man City four nil winners over Southampton. Nothing new there. Kind of just run through that game. Uh, Newcastle five one over Brentford. Um, my opinion, statement game from Newcastle. Uh, they, they had a lot of draws to open up the season. Eddie Howe had a little bit of pressure on him, saying, like, oh, he gave you all his talent and money, and then, like, what's not getting results? That's a result. And they also just won, I think, 4-0 uh, the past weekend. And um, Brentford's end, probably one of the worst games in a long time. They looked very sloppy defensively. Yeah, uh, I was watching that game live, and they 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 just kept giving the ball in, like, the worst possible scenarios. The keeper, in particular, just had a shitty, shitty game. Um, but, you know, credit to Newcastle. They made him, they made the points count where, where they had to. And in particular, Bruno Gamares is turning into one of the best, probably number center defensive mid, center mids in the Premier League, if he isn't already up there already, outside of a top traditional six team. Um, he's, he's a revelation for them in that, in that squad, honestly. Yeah, on the score sheet twice that match. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, moving on, Brighton nil, Tottenham one. Mike, what are your takes on your boys? <laughs> um, well, it was a very emotionally charged game because it was right after Tottenham's uh, fitness coach, uh, Petroni, died. Um, so there was a lot of, obviously, extra feelings in that for both sides. But um, it was good to see them bounce back. Because if I'm not mistaken, Brighton at home, they're one of the tougher teams to beat uh, in the yeah. Premier League as of late. They haven't lost any game since Tottenham last year when they came last February, I think it was. But, yeah. So, I mean, to beat Brentford at home, Brentford, excuse me, Brighton at home. Um, that's a pretty big win for Tottenham, especially after the shitty week they had weekend they had against Arsenal, getting their asses kicked in in the North on a Derby. <laughs> so I, I'm happy with that. 
stick game. Brighton could feel a little bit aggrieved. They had some chances, but they just didn't have like that one or two, like actually clinical finish, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I, we talked about it after Chelsea Tottenham earlier in the season that this, this Tottenham team doesn't know when to quit and when to lay down, which is pretty typical of every Antonio Conte team. It just was whether or not that was going to be sustainable. And I think this is a good example of that. It is they're grinding and they're finding a way to put these results together, even when it's, when it's ugly and it's, it's a one Oh score line. Right. And that's what you need if you want to finish in the top four when you have teams like Arsenal and Manchester City playing the way they are right now. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, I still have them finishing third place overall, to be honest. But it's, it's Mike, I guess from your perspective, it's got to be a little refreshing to see that, that never laid down attitude, right? Well, I honestly haven't seen that since like mid-Pachatino um, yeah. in a while. Like you haven't seen that, uh, which, is, which is awesome. They haven't really kicked into full gear, honestly, this entire year, at least up front, like – the way they did one, like they had cool of Kulisevsky first came in in January. Oh, um, yeah. So he's been injured. He's coming back. So you'll probably see an uptick in them, but in particular too, I was impressed in the Brighton game itself. I thought Brighton, even though they just lost Potter a couple games in, they still looked very, very good, very in sync with what they were trying to do. I think dessert, it, dessert, be, their team he, feels good, like he's a good he really coach. Hasn't left yet. He, it doesn't feel like he's left. And it also doesn't feel like deserve in particular has to, do too much as a coach he just kind of lets the players do their thing and it's like so ingrained into them how they should operate and play that you know i, I think it's a great system for them and I, they'll be just fine too right so uh, yeah i'm i'm, I'm with you i could, couldn't agree more on that um moving on crystal palace two uh two win winners over leeds big win for crystal palace uh their schedule is st- finally starting to lighten up for them which is awesome i mean they have one of the most ruthless mm-hmm. opening to a season i've seen we've seen in a long time yeah. and they still got results um i honestly i see them flying up i don't want to say flat table but head up there pretty like top half of the table very very soon um on the other end leads they started off extremely hot under jesse marsh you know they had the massive three no win over chelsea just to open up the season pretty much where do you think they are at now as a team they're not in good form right now. I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> Expert analysis over there. Yeah. Three, three losses, two draws out of the past five games. Yeah. Um, and it's not like it gets any easier before the World Cup either. They have to play Arsenal. They have to play Liverpool. Fulham, who's not an easy team to play against. Um, Tottenham. Tottenham. I mean, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough sledding up to the World Cup. I wouldn't be surprised if you see them drop a little bit farther down the pecking order in terms of the Premier League table. I wonder if that puts Marsh under some serious fire or if they stick with him or not to give him time to work through some of the kinks and get through that busy part of the season coming up. Yeah. I mean, they Leeds are this type of team that reminded me of Leicester a couple of years ago where on their day they have the ability and the talent on the field to beat anyone they play against. You just never know who you're going to get. And as of recently, it hasn't been good. To Mike's point, this this Leeds team right now, I had them as a dark horse for finishing a little higher at the table, and I then I think people give them credit for, and I st- I still believe that I think they have the talent there, but I think it's going to get darker before it gets brighter, given their their current form and to Mike's point, who they have coming up next. Um, I mean, you're talking about potentially the next five games, maybe picking up one win, two wins tops, if that. And everything else could be a loss because it's not not easy fixture. So I I highly expect that Marsh's job is going to be on the line come World Cup, that there'll be questions being asked of him where the management's going to have to make a decision because 
no what Mike what was it no wins in the last five or one win in the last five no, no wins None. in the last five two yeah, draws no, yeah no wins in their last five and then they still have games against three teams Arsenal Liverpool and Tottenham which you don't expect them to beat especially considering uh they're gonna have to go to Anfield and go to Spurs and that's not great going into a World Cup break Interesting. Yeah, I actually wasn't too concerned about his job. Um, I thought they'd stick with him. I don't think that, uh, again, you're, you're bringing up great points where, like, yeah, they're going to play tough teams. I mean, if he gets a result or two out of that, like, he's obviously very secured in his, in his job placement. But um, even if he don't, can you really judge him? Because obviously there's such a massive quality or difference in quality on the teams. So it kind of go either way with that one. Yeah. Just, um, I, sorry, go ahead. No, I was, I was just going to move on to the next one. What do you got? I was going to say, I, I think if they make a decision like that, I don't think it's down to the upcoming five games. It's down to what happened before that too, including a 5-2 hammering from Brentford um, and a 0-0 draw at Aston Villa. So I, I don't think it'd be down the next five. I think it'd be a cumulative thing at that point. Gotcha. Okay, it makes sense. Um, West Ham 3-1 winners over Fulham. Back-to-back losses for Fulham. Um, first one, to my knowledge, from a team below them in the table, although West Ham just had a really bad start to the year. So I Kind of take that with a grain of salt there. Um, West Ham fighting back up. And um, do you think for Fulham, the party's over and you're going to have to start grinding out results kind of similar to what we saw at Brentford last year? Or a couple of hiccups on the radars, some good teams that they played. I think it was, it was uh, we had West Ham, obviously. I think the one previously was West, uh, not West Ham, uh, Newcastle. So more quality, just overshadowing, overpowering Fulham. Or hey, like, Welcome back to Premier League kind of thing. Um, I mean, for, from Fulham's perspective, I think the next few games are going to be very telling for them. Um, they're playing a lot of teams around them where we'd expect them to finish in the, in the table when it's all said and done. Bournemouth, Villa, Leeds, uh, and Everton. So I think these next couple of games are going to tell us which Fulham team you're going to get, realistically. And if it's that like true, you know, hey, like it's that – Brentford or maybe that Brighton first season where they come in, they do really well, much better than people expect, or they start dropping some serious points and then the world cup fixtures maybe save them a little bit. Cause it gives them some rest, but I don't know. I mean, and then for West Ham, um, Skamaka in particular, that dude's a guy on fire. He's looking like the, a good signing for them up strike up front, excuse me, to play striker to help replace Antonio with the changing of the guard. So you'll see them start to slowly move up the table too little bit before the world cup do you think the slow start though hinders them for potentially pushing for europe or it's still pretty early in the season uh, and they can recover uh, i mean from to push to europe i mean they're only four points off right now right four or five points off so, so i think early. i think it's too early to say that way too early yeah i think it's too early if anything i'm way more worried about fulham like regardless of the fact that they have 11 points I think now that we're ten, almost 10 games into the season, you can look back at Fulham's schedule and say they lost to who you expected them to lose to. Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea got postponed. And and you're gonna there people are going to go back and they're going to say, oh, but they got three wins. They got X amount of points. And it's like, yeah, they tied Liverpool on the opening day when adrenaline was high, knowing that Liverpool and what we know now were faltering for large portions of this season so far. And then they beat teams like Brentford, who just got absolutely mauled last week by Newcastle, drew against a struggling Wolves team. And um, they did get a fantastic result against Brighton. I'll give them that. But um, 
like they beat Nottingham Forest. Like they're they're winning games that they should win and they're losing games that they should lose, but it's not convincing necessarily at the same time for me. So I want I thought they would be finishing about like 10th place or so, but I actually think they're going to be closer to about 14th, 15th this year. But I still think they stay alive. I mean, I think for them that's the objective though. It's not it's just not get relegated at this point. Yeah. I think they're just getting overplayed right now in the quality. I think it's my only thing. All right. Well, job well done for them then. Um <laughs> The most interesting game of the weekend, if we had to pick one out here, Arsenal three, Liverpool two. Are Arsenal contenders, guys? I'd have to say, yeah. I mean, comparatively speaking to all the other teams around them, they seem to be the only team that can actually put up a fight for now versus Manchester City, right? I mean, you're almost 10 games into the season. You're leading Man City with the robot that is Erling Holland, putting up hat tricks seemingly every other game. Literally, I, not I seemingly, mean, he does. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact. I, I mean, it's it's impressive. I'm, I'm going to give him that. It's very impressive. Do I think they have that run and continue to hold the top spot? No, I think City are just way too complete of a team um, in general. But I think they if definitely give them a run for their money. And it's interesting to see the disciple, Pep, putting together a team and, you know, uh, excuse me, Arteta and Pep's image. Um, and seeing our, the Arsenal young players really kick into gear, especially Martinelli, um, he's looked he's looked awesome since since the yeah. beginning. So unbelievable, he's looked really really good. Look, let's not get it confused. Arsenal are the most entertaining team to watch in the Premier League right now. Their play is just so intricate and so beautiful. It's 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 unbelievable. But to Mike's point, it's gross it's not. <laughs> it is it's it's disgusting you can shower after this <laughs> what did i say did I, miss that? <laughs> I totally just say gloss over what i said and i didn't i didn't realize what i said okay anyway it, it's just <laughs> it's not possible like yes if if you had to pick a single contender for a title at this point it's obviously arsenal it's, it's no 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 two ways about it but i still don't even consider them a contender because what they're doing it has never been proved sustainable in the past how many years, even when they have looked good. And City are just an absolute otherworldly machine. Like eventually it's good. The party's gonna party's gonna yeah. be over for Arsenal, but it's not gonna be over for City. We've seen it how many times now in the last what five years? Yeah. So contenders, yes, serious contenders. I don't think there is one in the entire league. No, not at all. When if if you were to ever consider them, when do you think you made that adjustment? Like January transfer window. No, I think that even be too soon. I mean, you've you've seen City or Liverpool come back. Like, I mean, Liverpool was down how many points towards the later half of last year, and they and they made it a title race, right? So, I if for for me to consider Arsenal actual title contenders, I think it's got to be like twenty games into the season at least to see that they can do it consistently, even with a hectic schedule, post World Cup, tired legs, and not a whole lot of options on the bench compared to what City has. Yeah. Got it. So after January transfer window, like I said, 20 yeah. games. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said during January transfer window. I was like, yeah. oh, did I? Yeah. My mistake. Then. I just shut you for no reason. My apologies. But also, <laughs> shout, shout out to the Arsenal recruiting, getting the Jesus deal right. Man, he's looked so goddamn good, too. Did I mean, you see so the report? Janko, like, did you see the yeah. report on why they let him go to Arsenal? Some, they some, didn't think he'd hurt him. What's up? They didn't think he'd hurt him. Yeah, that's exactly what they said. They said Pep didn't think thought the gulf between Arsenal and them were, was so large, it didn't make a difference. And now it's like, ah, shit. <laughs> it's made a nine-game difference so far. Yeah, that's true. Let's head over to the other side of this, though. Um, 
Jesus Christ. Liverpool, they do have a game in hand, but right now we're sitting 14 points back of the current first place team in Arsenal. Um, let's say they lose to Man City. Likely. Probably likely. They're sitting at a minimum 16 points back, 10 games into the year. It's mind-boggling. What like what what all happened? What went wrong? In my ter- in in my eyes, they got old and they haven't recruited enough young young talent. Any it's, other thing to add to that though? I wouldn't say that I don't think they so. haven't. I wouldn't say that it isn't they recruited enough young talents. I do think they have like they have players like Harvey Elliott and Fabio Cavallo who are, Luis who are Diaz really, is young. Luis Diaz, yeah, like they've they have good twenty five. They have good young players. I just think the main thing that they didn't do was find a replacement for one Alden. Um, I think Wijnaldum leaving and that technical eight-ish hybrid six role where he can come in, do everything really well. I mean, I think that's killed them, not having a player who they can feed the ball to, who can control the game. And because of that, they're relying too much on Tiago. Tiago's getting injured. Now they have nobody but Henderson and James Miller in the middle of the midfield. And it's apparent that Fabinho can't keep up anymore. Uh, And then they're leaving Trent totally exposed because of that, right? So... I think it's just poor management from that perspective, to be frank. I I would agree with that. I would take it one step further and say my my biggest concern with them and what it has been for a while now is not finding a true center back partner for Virgil van Dijk. They went out and spent all this money on Konate, who doesn't play consistently. They swapped between like Joe Gomez Matt Tip, Konate, there's no consistency back there. And when you have players like Trent, who, regardless of the fact that Trent doesn't get a whole lot of rest, plain can't defend and is not aware, and Van Dyke plays on the opposite side of that center back pairing, then you're going to get hurt over there when you don't have consistency to the back line. And it's going to start showing now because Trent's out. Robertson has been, I think, in and out for a little while he's, now. He's injured. Yeah, he's yeah injured. and, and Van, Van Dyke can't do it alone. They did nothing to figure out what to do about that, right? They brought in attacking uh, attacking reinforcements to to strengthen after Mane left. They have fluidity up front. They can put like any five players up there in world-class and they have enough in the midfield to get by, right? They're, they're controlled enough that it's not so much of a concern. I think they've completely ignored the back line and the, and the cohesiveness of it. And I think that's where they're getting hurt because they're letting in more goals right now than they probably did through what I, can get, I would guarantee you through the first 15, 16, 17 games of last year. And they probably they probably let the same amount in half the amount of games. Hmm. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm with you guys. That it, just it's an absolute crapshoot over there. Um, this is, I feel like, in a very unintentional rebuild year for them. Mm-hmm. Very unintentional. Um, it's interesting to see too them ha- this happen when they wouldn't pay Sadio Mane as well. So and now to cut now this happens. So, yeah, shots fired there, Mike. He's he's tearing it up at Bayern. He obviously still has more in the tank. So, (laughs) want to put this into perspective 2021 22 season, Liverpool let in 26 goals through the entire campaign. They've already let 12 in in nine games. They're they're close to being one more goal, and they've conceded half the amount in the entirety of last year. If they how let many, in a goal next week. How many are down the right side? <laughs> oh, I, well, sorry, my uh, my uh, coding hasn't allowed me for that type of analysis. <laughs> <laughs> All 
I mean, Mike said Trent gets exposed because the set the midfielders can't help uh, help him out too much. I think Trent also exposes Trent himself. I think he's lazy. I think nah, he's lazy I and he loses no, focus. I, I don't think that I don't I don't think that he's lazy. I think the system is designed for him to be pushed up into those places. I, because he's really fucking good at putting those balls in and those. Yeah, crosses. but even when he's when he doesn't <laughs> and he regard- should, and he should <laughs> no. <laughs> and he should have somebody like Fabinho come over and cover him, but they don't. I, have no, I I understand that. I agree, and I get it from that perspective. Like when he's getting beat on the flank for pace, when he's already pushed far off the field, that's fine. But I would I can pull five ten instances this year already where he's standing in or around he, the eighteen yard box, and players are just running past yeah, him. I, I, I see that. Yes, I've seen that. I don't know. I I personally think Reese James is going to start over him. Uh, hundred and ten percent, not even close. Yeah. Um. All right. Enough shitting on Liverpool. Um. <laughs> moving on. Everton won. Man. Man. U two. Good comeback win here for Man U. They went down early from I think the fifth minute by Iwobi, and then yeah, um, it was a screamer, absolute bomb of a goal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then um, ironically, Ronaldo with Ronaldo with the winner. Didn't he Is it wrong to be first? doubting him right now? <laughs> Death taxes and Ronaldo scoring goals. That's that's the certainties in life. Um, yeah, I mean he he's not playing week in week out. He's angry about it. What else is new? It's he's a serial winner, and he'll come good. He'll and he'll end the campaign with a respectable haul, regardless of the fact that Manchester United is is not of the caliber they want to be. But um, it's good to see them fight back. It United is a team that for what the last three years, guys has has not played with enough heart, especially at a deficit. So whenever they can make these comeback wins, um, I think it's a, a good sign of thing moving forward. I, you think Ten Hag's impact is is visible so far? And the, yeah, obviously yeah, not to the degree thousand, he wants it, but... A thousand percent. Yeah. They look, they're only a few points off top. Yeah, board, they, they're, in, they, they're in 15 they're in place. They're, they're in fifth right? place at 15 points. Yeah, they're, his they're impact can't, yeah. It, it can't be understated enough right now. He's got the team playing kind of how he wants him to play but i think you won't see that next step until the following year once he's able to get rid of ronaldo once he's able to get rid of some of those players where he they just don't make sense for the system right but he kind of is forced to play them so god i was gonna say going into the year we all picked them to be like possibly not even make europe right yeah he has them pushing well above that which is what is supposed to be a rebuild year for them yeah Let's keep in mind I, they have a game in hand as well. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, that too. They they could if Chelsea drops points and they win. I mean, yeah, it's. Are, are you worried about kind of a Jekyll and Hyde thing with this team? No draws oh, yeah. this year. It's it seems like it's either been a, a win most of the time convincingly, or just a hammering when they look completely out of sorts. And I think it's going to happen though because they're going. They're, like I said, they're going through a rebuild. They're going through a big transition. New manager players that possibly don't want to be there that we saw in the, from the media. Yeah. And he's only had a little bit of time. Like, I don't, I, I, who they really bring in? They didn't really recruit too, too much, right? Casemiro. They have one good name. I mean, they cast some Casemiro. Anthony. 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 Lissandro Martinez. Anthony, they brought in like a bunch of people for good money. Did they? Yeah, okay. They spent money. Mostly young talents, which has been nice outside of Casemiro. And it's all players that are more or less from that Dutch system. The players yeah. that he knows he, well. He knows, he knows well. Yeah. So how much Anthony? Anthony? He actually was. He actually was a lot, wasn't he? He was like a hundred mil. Who? Anthony was a hundred. Yeah. Anthony, yeah, he was a hundred. It was like a buck eighty just between him and Casemiro. Yeah. 
Yeah, they've probably outlaid about 250 this off this uh this transfer window. Good for yeah. them. They needed it. Um <laughs> last game of the week, Forest won, Villa won. Um miserable result for Villa, just adding on to their piles of whatever you want to call it with Gerard. Um on Forest's end, it felt like they've so they got him out of the bottom of the table, one point over uh, over Leicester, if I'm not mistaken. It felt like they gave humanly everything to just get a draw against Villa. Yeah, they were grinding. Uh, Nottingham Forest is starting to show the cracks life. that we thought not not life. I mean the cracks. Like even the past couple of weeks, like we said, with all these new players coming in, what's going to happen with the team? Typically, this when that happens in the Premier League. It's nothing good. They got off to a hot start initially, but I think you're starting to see just uh, – I mean, Steve Cooper's a good coach. There was talks about him losing, losing his job. They even gave him a little bit of a – they let him stay, right? I mean, I think it's the right move for now, but it's it's a big uphill battle for Nottingham Forest. Um, I, I don't really know what to say about them. So. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, think they're going to have enough. No, I, I don't. I don't think so either. I, I'm. I'm just. What I was trying to get at is like it, it felt like they got life in this game, but it also felt like they put forward like one of their best efforts of the campaign, and they still couldn't get three points. Yeah, I mean, which is like scary against Villa. Yeah, Aston yeah. Villa are no slouches either. You know, they have a, they have a decent squad. Um, well, not saying yeah, they are on, under. They, I mean, they look like they're slouches. They're underperforming like like yes. hell. Crazy. So. I don't know how long Gerard is able to keep his job, but like before the World Cup, do you think there's a real probability he's out? I think for a lot, any coach on the hot seat right now, currently, or that could potentially be on the hot seat, the World Cup is going to be the time where like we might see a bunch of owners clean house. Yeah, especially with with a month to figure out what they want to do in the to bring a new manager in, change the tactics, exactly, and yes. figure out the January transfer window. It's it's almost it's almost like like it's hiring a, a guy in the summer. Yes, a hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. Um, so Nottingham have to be really careful though, because I mean, they've put themselves in a highly, highly dangerous finance, financial situation with the outlay. If they don't stay up, cause then you're going to have a mass exodus and it's going to be the same thing when they go, if they go down at that point, um, look, they, they, they drew it, and got a point off a team that they needed to get points off of. Right. Like when, when you're talking about teams staying up, especially their first year, you need to grab the points off of teams that you think you can grab them off of. Right. Walking out of there with a point to me is still a fine result because come the end of the season, those are going to stack. If they can continue getting you know a draw here, a draw there against a lead or a palace or something like that, that's fine. They just have to start, you know, obviously avoiding those losses, which they have six of them in their opening nine matches. So I don't think it's a horrible thing. I think it's a good step forward, but they still have a lot to figure out. And I still don't think they're going to be able to do it in time. I mean, they're shipping in goals also, man. Oh, yeah. What, 22 so far? 22 against. Yeah, Yeah. I think only Leicester's above them. And yeah, surprisingly, too, another relegation candidate that we thought would be the bottom, I thought would personally be the bottom, Bournemouth, sitting at eighth. They have 20 goals against, too, which is kind of surprising. I think they'll start to drop. We, we kind of miss them. but Yeah, I had Southampton going down, and they're just sitting right outside that relegation zone at the moment, obviously way too early, but who knows. Yeah, ever since, ever since the, um, the Parker sacking, they haven't lost, right? No, they've been playing very well. Playing Good really well. All right, let's head into our, our uh, match previews for the upcoming week. Um, first off on Friday, Brentford versus Brighton. Um, on FanDuel currently, they got Brighton as plus 200 to win, plus 230 as a draw, and Brighton actually have plus odds, even though they're away. 
or that they are away, uh, plus 135 to win this game. Yeah, I give it to Brighton. I, they're they're in just such incredible form right now, and Brentford just got smacked. Um, I, I I like this Brighton team so so much. Like it's unbelievable. They're they're just a fun team to watch. Trossard's a man on fire, and it seems like no matter where they go, they're giving a game, even if it means they may not come out. And I'll give a team that that edge any day of the week. Yeah, I think uh, for Brett from Brentford's perspective, it's I think it's a little harsh, especially that they they are playing at home. Correct, like you said, Steve. Yeah. Um, I. I just feel like they signed Mikel Damsgaard, who's a really good center attacking mid, apparently the heir to Christian Eriksen in Denmark. Um, And they just haven't utilized him enough. And I feel like they really got to start getting him into the game a lot more. And maybe that can change their fortunes a little bit. But until that happens and Thomas Frank has some confidence in him, I feel like a Brighton win is probably inevitable. Okay. Uh, heading over to Saturday, first game up, we have Leicester hosting Crystal Palace. Uh, Crystal Palace, actually the underdogs in this one, um, plus 210. You said Palace is underdogs? Correct, yeah. Leicester is plus 130, and then Crystal Palace are plus 210. Hammer the Palace money line. Hammer it. <laughs> <laughs> Who is coming up with these odds? Are you sure you're reading properly? Are you dyslexic? Because that is, does not sound right. People that are way smarter than us, and typically when that happens, and I think it's an absolute lock, yeah, it's, it's, usually, dude, it's usually a Leicester win. So. They got that shit down to science, bro. It's unbelievable. But I, I still think it's going to be a, a game for, for Palace. Um, it's going to be all there for them. Leicester have looked better. I mean, James Madison has made an impact since coming back, um, and he he looks like he's trying to drag this team by its, by its bootstraps, but – Vieira has Palace at a point that you, Steve, picked them early on, right? To finish like as your dark horses. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I I I think that you've hit it spot on. And it's going to be hard for me to pick anyone against Palace when they're coming up against teams struggling like Leicester. I, I think through and through they're going to have the edge in this match, regardless that it's at the King Power. I'm with you. I'm, I'm currently actually, as we're going through the odds, I'm working on a ten uh, a five leg parlay. So <laughs> $144. Put the house um, on it. So far, we got Brighton and Crystal Palace in there. Those are my two money lines. I'm laying off this next game, though. Uh, we got Fulham and uh, Bournemouth. Mm. I take a draw on this one. Two teams that desperately needed to get back on track. Two teams that have been playing, well, one not the greatest, Bournemouth pretty well. Um, I think it draws a, a good result here for both teams. So I go to Fulham win. Uh, they're minus one twenty at home. It's a good get right game for them. Although Bournemouth has been absolute tough to beat as of late, as we just mentioned. So uh, I'm feeling Fulham. Right. Again, right. I'm laying off that because I'm not that confident in it. Um, Wolves hosted Nottingham Forest. Huge match at the bottom. Huge, huge match. Um, I think this is where Wolves start to steady the ship just a little bit, at least for the. A short time frame. Um, I know you thought they were pretty lively last week, Steve, but I just don't see anything in, in Nottingham that would make me that would suggest to me that they're going to be able to pull off a win in this match, regardless of the way Wolves are playing right now. I think they're going to they're going to turn it around. I see this being a draw as a team that can't score in Wolves, a team that can't <laughs> defend in Nottingham Forest. So it's going to be a banger. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't see it. It's going to be like my FIFA 23 game last night, 9 to 8. <laughs> nice. 
What are you playing? Um, if you wanted some really good odds, just as, from a betting perspective, um, if you had to take money line, not in fours, plus 420 against a struggling Wolves team, honestly, Scream is pretty good value to me. But uh, I'm going to go, I'm, I'll, I'll go draw. I won't be stupid. <laughs> um, Tottenham hosting Everton. I, I really can't see anything other than a Tottenham win, but it would be so classic of Tottenham to not win in the situation. I could see a Tottenham and Everton draw here. Uh, Spurs have been struggling to break down tougher defenses as of late. Um, Everton have a very staunch defense right now. Um, and unless Kulisevsky's playing, I don't really have the most confidence in a front three over Charles and Kane and Son, which is kind of weird to say because they just haven't seemed to have been like connecting as much as you'd like. Um, yeah. So I think a, a draw is pretty likely here. Yeah, with Charleston coming back to his own club. I'm I'm with Mike on this one. I can see I can see a draw in this. I'll take Tottenham win. Um, primetime game of Saturday, Aston Villa are hosting Chelsea. Chelsea minus one thirty to take the win. Uh Villa plus three seventy at home. Yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting this match, especially to see how Chelsea line up given the injury to Reese James is is probably gonna impact that. But Chelsea are looking like the team that Todd Bowley wanted them to be when he went out and laid all that cash out for those guys. And right now, the last four matches since Potter's been in charge, I guess, last four, um, has been all wins at like 11-4 and like two again. So they're they're looking extremely fluid right now. And Villa is just struggling too much to see any other outcome but a Chelsea win. Yeah, it's it's all it's Chelsea's to lose. 100%. Uh, Manu hosting Newcastle. Uh, Manu are the Actually, relatively, I don't want to say heavy favorites, but Newcastle's plus 260 to win this one, even though they are away from home. That just seems like a... Look, any team huh. that is able to get a draw or pick up points against Manchester City, in my book, has a fighting chance against any other team. So, yeah. um, with that's, that's, that's I'm kind of a little confused by those odds. With that said, and the way Newcastle have been playing, not to say, man, you haven't, I... I honestly think it, this is an upset game right I, here. I was going to – damn it. I was going to say, I was like, this is my upset pick of the week. I, I think it's an upset game, even yeah. though I don't know. Do you think it's much of an upset, though? Man, you guys been going down often. I mean, they went down today in the Champions League, too, early. Really early. Champions League. Yeah. Europa League. Wherever last game that they played in the Europa League, they went down early. Um, I I think United – even though they're sitting pretty high on the table and they're playing some pretty good football, I think Newcastle are just going to – be so much to handle and especially with same maximum. I think this is it. I think this is the the upset. And I don't even know if you can consider an upset considering how well Newcastle have been playing this year. We can't all go upset. Absolutely we can. <laughs> all right, all right, fine. Um I am taking this in a bet though. I'm not taking Newcastle straight up. I am taking the over three and a half, which is one goal ahead of it's like an alternate line. Um, I like that. I think this is absolute goal palooza. Yeah. Like it should be, that. it's gonna be a nil-nil draw now. But like regardless, like it should be three-one, two-two, three-three, something up like four-two. It's gonna be. I, I think it's gonna be something absurd. But yeah, we'll see. Um, Leeds hosting Arsenal. Arsenal minus one eighty-five on the road. Um, I still like those odds. To be honest with you, Leeds have not been looking good. No, I think this is a Arsenal win through and through. I think they just got too much quality and talent for yeah. for Leeds right now. Yep, I would say so. Mm-hmm. I, I'm with you. Uh, and then second to last match, we got Southampton versus Westham. Westham? Westham? Wrexham? Wrexham? Drexler? 
It's getting late, yeah. boys. Yeah, barring a uh, James Ward-Prowse masterclass, um, I could see West Ham picking this up, but I actually think this is going to end up a 1-1 match or maybe a 2-2. Uh, St. Mary's is a tough venue to go to. It is. And, you know, JWP is he's a stud. Romeo LaVia, the kid they signed from City, that kid's a stud also. But I just feel like the way Southampton have been playing as of late, if I'm not mistaken, is, has Hassan Hoodle, he's on that hunt seat if he, I haven't heard correctly, or has he lost his job? Do you know? Uh, he still has his job. I don't know. But I haven't heard too mm-hmm. much about a possible sacking. But, um, but I mean, they're just sitting, they're just sniffing outside the relegation zone, so it's possible. I mean, I I feel like this is a West Ham win game. I I think they overpower them here. So you start to see that climb happen with them starting here. Yeah, I mean, Southampton's last win was against Chelsea back in August, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so by that means, in gamblers logic, they're due, boys. They're the new Robin Hood, Chelsea. I swear to God. (laughs) Yeah, losses to Southampton, Leeds. Yeah. Um, Give me Southampton plus 200 at home. Um, A get right game for them. They really needed, desperate for the points. West Ham coming off a big win. I uh, I don't know. Just feels right. Yeah. No no other scientific fact, stats, or anything (laughs) back that one. Just a gut, just a gut check. It's just there, just sitting there. Um, last game of the weekend, obviously the biggest one, prime time. Liverpool hosted Man City. It is do or die for Liverpool. Do they have a chance? No. Okay. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say they don't have a chance. <laughs> Liverpool versus City always brings out unbelievable matches. 2-2 two, two draws, 3-2 uh, victories for one side or another. It's it's always a very, very good game. Um, and I don't think Liverpool are going to be able to do it, but I do think this will end in a draw. I think going to Anfield is going to be tough. It'll be interesting to see how Van Dyke handles Erling Holland, though. That's the matchup I most want to see because up until now, he hasn't come up against a center back in the Premier League of the caliber of Van Dyke. So it's going to be really, really cool to watch, but I I think it's going to end up being still a 2-2 match. Salah's on fire lately. Um Diaz won't be in, but Firmino has been playing out of his skull as well. Yeah. You think Van Dyke has the pace to keep up with Holland? No. I, do, I, I think he, no. I think he'll be paired with possibly either Joe – I think probably Joe Gomez. Not Joe Gomez. Uh, well, Konate still available? Because that's who I'd like to see in that pairing. I think he's the only one that might have enough pace for him. Uh, I don't know, man. Gomez got like an 81 pace on FIFA. I <laughs> do. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I that dude plays right back. I think this is one of he those does. games where, like, even though Liverpool are playing at Anfield, um, I I just can't see Man City walking out of here without three points. They just look yeah. like a team possessed, honestly, barring that Champions League game over the week. Um, I I think they're just going to ragdoll the Liverpool team, honestly. Yeah, I, I think they're definitely They're going to overrun them in the midfield. It's completely overrun. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. No Trent, they have a chance at defense now. It's it's a tough one for me. I, I'm kind of I'm kind of, kind of leading. I can't talk right now. Kind of leaning with Vito um, on the draw. It just seems like anytime these guys play, it, it's the highlights are there. The big players come. They they the, the big they names show up. show up every single time. I'm I'm gonna go draw here too. What was the last couple? Um... 
the last couple of results between these guys. Uh, in one second, I will pull them up for you. Because if memory serves, it's been very tight. I mean, outside of when they met in the Champions League and Liverpool just absolutely laid a brutal beating on them. So the last two were not in the league. Uh, yeah. Community Shield, obviously. We just had Liverpool 3-1 winners. FA Cup, 3-2 Liverpool. Um, before that, two 2-2 two, two draws in a row in the league. And then Man City, uh, back in February 21, 4-1 uh, winners. Yeah, so it's been – this game – this Ooh. matchup produces goals. Yeah, the over man. three and a half. Oh, easily. Not even close. Holland, Holland's going to score three himself, so. Jeez, should have had that in there. The parlay's in, though, boys. We have Brighton, money line, Crystal Palace, money line, Chelsea, money line, Arsenal, money line, and then the over three and a half in the Man U Newcastle game. $10 to win 548. I like $10. it. $10. Who, Thanks for including who, us. Who takes it down? Who takes down the parlay? <laughs> Let's hope. Any of the uh, final thoughts here? Nah, man, nothing for me. Michael? No, sir. All righty. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Sunday League Streamers podcast. Like, comment, hit the bell, subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod for daily tweets about the show, world football, the United States Men's National Team, and the Premier League. I'm your host, Steve, with Mike and Vito signing off.